Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Today on the podcast, it is a legend in our industry, both in Unscripted and Scripted. Leslie Greif is the founder and owner of Think Factory Media, based here in Los Angeles. They're well-known in Unscripted for hits like Gene Simmons' Family Jewels, Marriage Boot Camp. And on the Scripted side, Leslie actually created Walker, Texas Ranger. Remember that show back in the early 90s? And then the hit series Hatfields and McCoys for the History Channel. Leslie grew up in the entertainment business. And when you hear about his amazing journey from NBC Page to Big Shot Producer, it will become very clear that he was destined for this business. All right, Leslie. And away we go. We're off. We're off. Off and running. So I always just start quickly how we met. So we only met a few weeks ago. I've, I, obviously, your reputation precedes you. I've heard lots about you through the years. But we met at Brent Montgomery's party at the very cool old Betty Davis party house in Hollywood. <laughs> Brent Montgomery, he has set the new style, right? the new style, the new the new bar. He is. He's he's like the the like James Dean of New Hollywood or something. I don't I know, know what's going on over there. He's my new hero, right? It's all my of our heroes. Hero. I had him on too. He was great. Um, so yeah, and everyone's. I mean, everyone around us. It was like Steve Michaels, Ellie Goldberg. They said you got to get this guy on. You got to get this guy on. <laughs> I'm like, I'd love to get this guy on, and and here we are. I'm in your beautiful office, and it's 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 large. It's a large office. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like. I, I like Brent, where he created a style and a home and a way to have a spree decor. I wanted to create an environment where we're creative. I mean, we don't have the the big Netflix suites where you have all the sprawling what they call now creative space. That's the new that's the new thing. Yeah. But I wanted to create an, an area where it's like you feel like you're at home while you're at work. Right. As long as you have good as good snacks as Netflix. Or you I got have, a bar. Oh, there you go. Even better. <laughs> exactly. Right? You don't need no snacks. <laughs> I'm looking at his bar right now. I just thought my eyes just, mm, okay. Yeah. And Rudy's barbecue sauce. Is yeah. that like a famous That's one? That's on the patio. Oh, nice. Wow. Very nice. Cool. So I don't even know where to start. Your resume is amazing. I mean, I know you started your whole career as an NBC page in Burbank. Where are you from? Where did you actually grow well, up? Well, it's funny. I, I can even go back before that. Uh, I was, um, grew up here in the, I was Valley Boy, Galleria. Yeah, yeah the Galleria days. Sherman Oaks? Sherman Oaks. Oh, I grew up in Encino. I'm, that's where I live. Really? Very cool. Did you go to Lanai Elementary? I went to Lanai. That's where my daughter goes. And then I oh, got, I have chills. I got booted and then ended up at Campbell Hall. <laughs> Wait, you got booted well, from I Lanai? Well, I by my folks. They wanted okay. me to private school, so I went to, <laughs> and I was at- uh, Campbell Hall with Campbell. the uniform and everything. And then I was the- uh, the, the only Jew at Crespi Carmelite High. Oh, that's funny. Then, Is that a Catholic boys' school? All Catholic boys' school. <laughs> and which got embroiled in the whole scandal. Oh, it's at the Catholic the days Church. That I was there. Oh, my oh, yeah. God. So, so I went through that. Role. So that was like when they say cross, uh, cross on the walls, Jews in the halls. That's like the new thing now. But you set the, you began the trend. Yes. You started the trend. <laughs> and, and then I uh, ended up at Taft and went to USC. So. Oh, you never left? So I never left. You're a valid but, boy. Uh, my pop was a, a a big believer in your work. He had me working when I was 14. What did he do? My dad was uh, one of the pioneers of the rock and roll business. He basically in, helped invent and create that whole world. Really? He brought the Beatles over to America. He was part of his partner with Jimmy Miller, produced most of the Grass Rolling Stone records wow. from Jumpin' Jack Flash, Honky Tonk, Jimmy Shelter. So Midnight was he like Rambler. an impres- what we would call an impresario? Yes. That's so cool. Yeah, my dad was like, was what the impresario. And, and for me, what was fun as a kid, uh, he had me as a road manager. He had a big group back in the day called the Edwin Hawkins Singers who had a record called Oh Happy Day. Mm-hmm. And I'm the, I'm the little uh, 15-year-old road manager with 30 gospel singers on the road holding prayer meetings in the airport, make sure everybody showed up in time. Do you have any pictures of that? Uh, I, I do. I have a picture of me and the Beatles when, oh my when, back God. at Dodger Stadium. So it was, Wow, it's, what a childhood. It, it was kind of fun. And as when I was young, and Dad would be working the, the Vegas acts, in those days they called them lounge acts, and they'd have 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. shows. Yeah. So you'd see Buddy Hackett or Bobby Darren or Red Fox. So I'd be too young. I was a kid, so right. he'd bring me up to the lighting booth. And I'd sit in the lighting booth and watch the shows or one of his acts. And then I'd fall asleep and then he'd like carry me down to the room. <laughs> That's amazing. So you so, had the bug from an early age. You I were did. born with the bug, basically. I was born with the bug. And if you, not that I'm famous or had a big adventurous, 
kind of crazy life. But if you saw the film Almost Famous, that was That's me. You. That was me as did a kid. You, did you did you fall off the roof of the house? We <laughs> uh, fell off a couple of them. I'm sure there were many. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, so you were like the starry-eyed teenager just I, seeing it I, all. I was a young kid, and Dad, when he left the music business uh, for a period of time, because there were too many, a couple of overdoses, a couple of drugs, and on the um, Exxon Main Street album, the engineer overdosed. It was a friend, so Dad got tired yeah. Of, the, of the rock and roll. And of course, his timing was he turned down the Eagles because he was over, over rock and roll. Wow. And they went to Irving Azoff? Is that the And then it the all story? went, yeah. And then wow. they discovered Barry White. And then he went into the R&B world. And then really? he managed Lamont Dozier, created the Motown sound. Get and out. So it was a whole kind of, I've been through all all the different worlds. And I remember as a, as a young kid when Barry White just broke big and he brought every big black DJ in the country to the house in Encino. And it was me and Pop, and we had Boogaloo and Frankie Crocker. Everybody oh was God. there. And he said, look, we can't get involved. Nothing illegal. No feds. No payoff. No, but no payola. But what we'll do is we're going to cut up the country, and I'm going to turn all of you guys into concert promoters. Really? And all his artists? No, the DJs. Oh, the DJs. Oh, and interesting. And so they were able, you, you play Barry White. Right. All of a sudden you're out and now you get to promote concerts. And that's was that first generation after Bill Graham where DJs became concert promoters. Concert. That all came out of our little house in Encino. So when like, like fast yeah. forward to Gene Simmons years later, that didn't phase you in the least. You were well, used to all yeah, these crazy people. When, when Barry was going and, uh, and so I'm young. Yeah. And Neil Bogart was a good friend of dad's. They come in, they say, hey, we got this new band, Kiss. I had no idea who they oh, were. Wow. They're playing down at, uh, I think, Long Beach, and you want to go to the show. And that was like, they hadn't broken. I go out, and that's the first time I met Gene. That's incredible. As what year? Do you know what oh, year that was? That had to be 72. Wow. I'm guessing. Wow. Could be 73. That's yeah. amazing. And then later, did you remind then, him of that? Well, yeah, because then years later, about. About uh, about five, six years later, I'm working with Lamont Dozier. And I was hanging out with Sherry Payne, Frida's sister, and she was in the Supremes. Oh, my God. And my partner was friends with uh, Gene, but Gene was dating Diana Ross. So we get invited to go to this party. So now we all go to this great party, and I reconnect with Gene. So now we go out, we're having some fun, and we start hanging out. And then, like anything with rock stars, you just drift away. So then, a few, uh, I don't know, it's got to be 10, 12 years go by. And out of the blue, I get a call. Gene Simmons on the phone. And I'm like, yeah, Gene Simmons. I had run into him at the Super Bowl where they were performing. But I didn't go up to him because I figured he's not going to remember me. Right, right. And so I never, I never said a word. And then I get this call out of the blue. It's now years later. <laughs> and it's like, hey, Leslie. And... It's as if I just spoke to him 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Hey, I need your help on something. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. And then we sat down, we had lunch, and then we reconnected, reconnected and and I I just love the man. I just love him. He's the best partner, friend you could ever have. And then we started to get into our little shenanigans, sold a couple shows, and we did this crazy pilot. I directed for, um, it was for VH1, what was and that called? It was called Smash Records, and Pauly Perrette was in it. We had Tommy Lee. We shot oh at uh, we shot down at the at the mansion with Hef and the Grotto, and wow! It was, uh, and we shot the uh, VH1 Awards. So we had the back. Uh, no, it was in sync. Was in the. I mean, was there, and then we we went with all kind of crazy. So that was back in like early VH1 days. Yeah, and then from there we just became friends, and we came up with this idea to do Gene Simmons Family Jewels. And we had done, I'd been doing those a biographies. Right. And I had done it. I created Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, so they I called mean, me and said, do you want to do this thing with Chuck? And then I had this thing with Steven Seagal that we'd done one on Steve. I'd gone wild boar hunting with Steve when we were in New Orleans. He was the king of Mardi Gras one weekend. So I was talking to Bob DiPotato about that. He said, well, we should do a bio. Right. And before you know it, it kind of like drifted into why don't we do something with 
Gene or Kiss. Right. And just to set the table, A&E had not sort of gotten into the celebrity at this point, had they? No. So you, this was the first... This was their was first... Is this like around 2001, 2002? Yeah, this was the very first thing that they had done in that world. But Gene, the big show was uh, uh, was the Osbournes. Right. Oh, okay. But that was a raw verite show. Right. It was just, uh, it was like right. a new, like right. the Loud family from the right. early 70s, where it's just... You put a camera on and you watch. See what happens. You want to do like a hybrid scripted kind of sitcom. That's right. Yeah. And and just because when you watch as much TV as I have, yeah. it was a fabulous show when I was a kid called Ozzy and Harriet. Yeah, of course. So Ozzy and Harriet was, Ozzy was a band leader who was, he never went to work. He was always at home. <laughs> right. And he would always get into these kind of crazy shenanigans with his two kids. Yeah. So I'm thinking, well, Gene... Gene is the the most lovable goofball. Yeah. Besides his reputation, he's like three different guys. He's right. like, I'm cool rock star. I put on my sunglasses. I got to show everyone I'm like bitching. Right. That's what we said in the 70s, <laughs> bitching. So, uh, and then he's just the guy in Family Jewels, which is really just probably the most decent, wonderful guy. And he, he wants to vomit when I say that about him. Right, because it ruins really his is. reputation. Yes, it ruins his <laughs> reputation. And, and he's Israeli randomly, right? He was born, right, born in Israel. He was born high in Vitz. Right, right. In, um, That's so crazy. In Haifa. That's so interesting. But Gene's, I'll tell you a story about Gene. Yeah. We go off to do the show and we come up with the idea we're going to do. Was it a pilot first? It was a pilot. Mm -hmm. And, well, no, it really wasn't. Now, my, my brain's coming back to me. It okay. was not a pilot. We had done 24 hours in life a kiss. Uh, with Gene. Okay. And we had the family and we had done this special. Got it. It rated very well. And that was for A&E or by a &E. Yeah, okay. So then Bob D said, why don't we turn it into a reality show? So I'm, I'm you know, being the producer, I am, yes. Yeah, of I course, <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't even know what it is. Right, but who cares? And was Gene up for it right from the start? Gene's up for anything. Right, he's... He, and yeah. I mean, what is great his ability is he understands marketing. He understands what it takes to be in the public eye and make it work because one venture leads to something else. Yeah. Gene is the only town that I worked with that had the foresight to put all of his assets into the show rather than saying, I need huge fees every year. I want more fees. Back in. And it was like, no, I want to make this the greatest show, the best show. And then relaunched the Kiss brand. Yeah, smart. Then he bet he on got himself. Guitar Hero. That's right. And then he became Dr. Pepper's spokesman. All of a sudden, everything else skyrocketed because he became a big television star. And as did you have the foresight as well to attach yourself to all of those entities as <laughs> along no, the way? No, no, I it, it wasn't about foresight. It's I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. I know what I do. Right. And we have shared so many wonderful good times and listen he still was one of the biggest rock stars in the world so yeah it wasn't for me to coast on him it was for us to work together right but what had happened which is the which is a funny story and it bonded me with nancy dubuque and with rob share now because we came in to do the show and at the time they looked at my resume and i'd done all the scripted shows right. and i hadn't really done this reality uh, what they call reality. Right, right. Really hasn't been done. Yeah. So they say we have to bring an expert. I'm like, oh, a reality expert. expert. expert you know, <laughs> showrunner. Right. And we come in and I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, I don't, this is not feeling right. Yeah. I don't think this is right. So they all sit me down and they say, Leslie, this, just don't worry about it. You got the deal. It's your company. We're, we got this. I said, fine. So I'm, they go to do the show. Gene says, relax, don't worry about it. And when someone tells me relax, I relax. I don't have <laughs> the point where I got to do it. It's covered. Fantastic. Yeah. So they go to do the show. And now I get a report like two months later, three months later. And I remember it. We're in, I'm in Chicago for Thanksgiving weekend with the family in-laws like, oh, that's what I really need to be. Yeah, yeah. It's a snowstorm. You'd rather be anywhere get, else. <laughs> well, the good news is I got rescued. I got a mayday call. I'm standing in the snow because I start, oh I'm, I'm hollering. I'm, what? This is wrong. This is terrible. This is a disaster. I, I, it's a train wreck. I'm so aggravated. I'm outside in the snow because I don't want to ruin everyone's right. holiday <laughs> preparation. Gene says, calm down, relax. And I said, okay, guys, you asked me to stand down and I'm giving you 
like the four red flags. You got trouble in River City. <laughs> right. Relaxed. Okay, I'm on record. I can't be any better. I'm going in and have my turkey and stuff. Mm-hmm. Early January. Oh, boy. The first cut comes in. Disaster. Disaster. I mean, Nancy's flipping out. Bob's wow. flipping out. So Nan- it was your company, but a showrunner hired to do it. That right. We are not going to name. Approve. But you'll tell me off, Mike. No, <laughs> no I'm not. The networks won't approve the, the showrunners. Got it. So, and I had met. Adam Reed, who yeah, was runs. like a young field producer. Oh, wow. And uh, I always call my assistant at the time. He aggravates Because <laughs> he was actually a producer. the shit out of him. Oh, I, I was your assistant. Was, <laughs> all right, Adam. But and he, he was working on that show. As a freelancer. And I hired yeah. him for the the Gene Simmons 24-hour kiss. And he was, I just knew there was something special about him. He's very bright. And I said, listen, you were there at the beginning. Jump onto the show. Wow. So he's on the show. Now it's like complete train wreck time. <laughs> right. And they're all calling me. I'm guys, hey, remember? Yeah, you would want me to have any part I'm of clean. it. So I'm, what was so bad about it? What wasn't working? What happened was they tried to shoot a verite show where it's just, <laughs> let's just follow somebody. Right. Nothing was happening. Nothing's happening. <laughs> and it was really new. And everyone said, it has to be fresh. It has to be organic. You know, nothing contrived. We don't want anything that's set up. So. How'd that work out? <laughs> not so good. Yeah. Now I get the phone call, get on a plane. And I, I, I got to go reshoot. We got to fire people. So you had to scrap everything, basically. Basically. Wow. And then. Everyone's now stressing. And I go to Adam. I said, now, Adam, it's called low profile. <laughs> right. I said, you just disappear. You're not profiled enough that they're going to know to put their bullets on you. Just disappear for a week and then you'll come back. Yeah, it is He's very smart, followed the direction. I went in, did damage control. And then Adam comes back and the two of us, we mount the first season. So then we run into the first wave, which I only chuckle because two things we put into the show which were couch interviews. And it was like, we don't want couch and interviews. no one had done that? No one had done that I before. mean, when you say that now, I'm like, what? But right. that well, was we, a new we thing. Had, if you talk to Rob, he'll credit us. Yeah. Starting uh, the couch interview. starting the couch interviews. Yeah, that's and I'm crazy. Like, so we did the couch interviews. That was my way to bridge the shows. Right, 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 right. And then we had all of Gene's home movies. Love it. And they were like, you can't put home movies. It's going to be like a boring documentary. I said, no, it's going, to, it's going to humanize this family and ingratiate it. So again, back and forth, it was the arm wrestle. Yeah. We finally won the tussle. And then it became magic. And Gene and Shannon and uh, the kids. It was I so mean, good. I always thought it was more like the Munsters than Ozzy and Harriet. Could be. Yeah. Right? I, I got a picture of me with the Munsters with Fred <laughs> Gwynn when I was of course you a do. kid with dad. But... It, you know, it, just the wackiness of them, you know, and sort of like how they stick out. And well, but she's you're got right. Long straight hair, you know. I mean, it, literally, it, I can see him as, as Herman. Right. Herman it, tell her he's so big. He's such a presence. Well, the, the the thing that's that's magical is coming from Shannon's days of being a playboy. Yeah. Uh, fabulous uh, girl with the half world. Right. And Gene being the crazy rock star. The kids were like grounded. Right, right. They were the normal ones. The kids are grounded. That's the great part. And Shannon was so smart and she's a great mom. Yeah. So when you have this dichotomy where you think she's going to be this crazy playboy girl, (laughs) she, Mr. Rock and Roll, who like doesn't drink, he's Mr. Straight. Right. It's unexpected. It it just kind of created great creative fodder because we, like any show, you want to construct a narrative but what we did, which was important, was every storyline that we created was an actual reality in their lives. Right. We just it was found just... a way to make it entertaining right. and capture. Which is the mold that started every, I mean, everything else, like celebrity. Well, first of all, you started celebrity for A&E, and then everyone tried to replicate it, and they tried many, many, many shows. Some worked, most didn't. So that really, I mean, well, Gene, how many seasons was that? Gene, Gene we became, I think, the longest celebrity doc wow. ever in television. And now the Kardashians are the big one. Yeah. But the difference was 
they didn't start off as rock stars. Yeah. Gene, the show made them rock the stars. The show made them rock That's stars. That's interesting. So we started with the rock star and yeah. then built it from there and then right. everything else blossomed. And and how many seasons did it run? I I should know that. I did think we did like 180 episodes wow. over like I think eight or nine years. So that you know, so that put you on the map as a as a rea- quote unquote reality right. producer because you had Texas Walk Walker Texas. Walker Texas Ranger. What you created that like? What is that story? Well, that's um, crazy. Walker was another great. De- <laughs> well, the at the time. And what time was? It? Give it was me 1990. a year. Okay, 1990, and I'm hustling around trying to put deals together. Yeah. I had done this. Well, yeah, what are you doing? You're a producer, you're a director. I'm producing. Okay. Producing hustling. Okay. It's just, <laughs> well, aren't they the same pounding thing? The pavement, <laughs> Leslie? Pounding the pavement. Hey, do you ever stop the yeah. hustle? Oh, <laughs> I remember the worst. I had one anxiety in my life. It was the worst experience. I'm driving up Beverly Glen. I got in a couple turndowns and I'd never had a panic attack before. I'm like 25. Yeah. And I go up Beverly Glen and all of a sudden, I break out. I'm sweating. I'm oh my blood. god! And I'm like, am I having a heart attack? No, I'm I'm pulsating. And I pull up to the Beverly Glen Market, and I realize I'm having a panic attack, and I can't breathe. I'm suffocating. I'm in this busted Jesus. out little apartment in, on Dickens in uh, Sherman Oaks. Yeah, I know exactly. And no air conditioning. One, it's like one room and like a half toilet, which is like a shower. You gotta yeah. rinse off in the sink. You're rock I, bottom. I got nothing. I got nothing. Wow. I mean, if I needed air, I would climb up. I'd have to <laughs> shimmy up my balcony to go to the roof and sit on this oh on this like diagonal rooftop just to get some air. I mean, that's like I, oh, that's sad. And my that's a sad was image. O- was over the alley with the garbage truck. I mean, it was like. Not a good story. No, for me. no. So I'm I'm freaking out, and I'm and I remember railing against whatever the heavens were like. <laughs> why would you give me this ambition? Why, 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 why do you give me this, this these ideas? Why do you give me this drive? If all you're gonna do is blank me, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every time I turn around, you turn me down, yeah. and we can you curse. stuff me. Oh, you yeah, can curse yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. You know what the big, I you do. know what the f bomb was going to yeah. be. Yeah, and it was like you were oh. like, go into the heavens, like give me a sign, yeah, please. I mean, I've been busting my ass, right. and everything just kept pummeling me down. So now uh, we're dissolving, and we're and I'm out there hustling back and forth, and my mentor in life, who other than my father is the most important person. I'll introduce you to him. He's down the hall. Really? Is Al Ruddy. Al Ruddy won the Academy Award for The Godfather, and he produced Million Dollar Baby, won the Oscar for that, and Wait, Hogan's Heroes. Al Ruddy produced the, produced the Godfather? Yes. So he was married, sorry, but do you know, he was married to the woman that got caught up in the Rajneesh cult. That's his first wife. Yeah, you, Al's right down the hall. I just saw that Wild Wild Country. Do you know about this? I know all about it. And they it. talk about Al Ruddy. I'm sorry, I'm bugging <laughs> out right now. Well, you are. Well, I'm having lunch with Al when we're, when we're oh done. Oh my God, this is like worlds colliding. Did you see well, Wild I'm, Wild Country, by the I'm way? I'm happy. I just started it. It's, it's crazy. What a ride. So well, did you know about it because you were... No, I just them. heard about it. No, but did you know about Rajneesh? You didn't know about oh, the Oh, I whole knew about cult. Rajneesh back in the day. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm old enough to remember those days. Right. Well, yeah, I was alive too, but I didn't know about it. Well, I knew all about it because back, again, when <laughs> we're, we're going back, we're doing time travel yeah, yeah, back. sorry, I'm digressing. Dad was pals with Ruddy, and Al Got had it. produced The Longest Yard, uh, and he wanted Barry White okay. to be in the movie. <gasps> so I meet Al, and I was like, he's, I think I'm 14 at the time, like, oh my God, it's like, Al Ruddy, the Godfather. So I yeah. write my first spec script, Get which out. to this day, Ruddy has not read. That Son of a bitch hasn't read it. Give it to him at lunch. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't forgiven him for that. But I would hitchhike down uh, the canyons. I didn't have a car. So I'd hitchhike <laughs> oh down God. Coldwater. And Al had the coolest house in Coldwater Canyon. And he had all the cars. And I know it's not the right generation's Me Too world, but he had all the girls. All the ladies. The pool, <laughs> the poker games. Was, he had, that was very 70s LA, right? It was right? very 70s. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, you know, Dad, I love you, the music business. I want to be in the movie yeah, yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, this baby. is way sexier. This is, this is it. I'm, yeah. Ru- Enough Ruddy of these DJs. The you don't need the DJs. You no, want I the ladies in the bikinis. I, I was with Ruddy and the cars <laughs> and, the, and it was the parties. Yeah. And I was the kid. He called me the kid. So, and I would be like glued to Al and his other roommate, buddy, pal. Okay. And in those days, I mean, just two straight guys. But it was Brian Hutton who directed Clint Eastwood and Where Eagles Dare. And so he had cool. done Kelly's Heroes. So it was like, 
I was in Nirvana. I mean, I'm hanging out with the movie guys. Oh, yeah. So I've known him. Jack Nicholson? Was he in the oh, mix? Yeah. Well, yeah. Jack Nicholson, yeah, yeah. He must have been. That's another story. I was oh, with my- Jack in Paris one year at, at the Elysee Matignon. What? That's, that's another crazy story. Oh, but, my God. Um, so I said, I was, so I'm, I'm running around with Ruddy. Wow. And I'm sitting here thinking, I, I got to get a show. I got to do something. And yeah. I always found a way to see what's on TV and what's not on TV. Yeah, smart. So at the time, it was sitcoms and it was soap opera shows. Mm-hmm. Dynasty and Dallas yep. and Falcon's Crest and all that. Oh, those are the good old days. But there were no really like great one-off episodic shows. Mm-hmm. And we were going into the war with Iraq. Okay. And I said, America needs a hero. Mm. We need John Wayne. And I was a huge John Wayne fan. Right. But we need John Wayne on TV. And as as we were going, I had met John Wayne when I was a kid working at NBC as a Of course a page. you did. <laughs> I was working for Dean Martin on the roasts. Oh my God. So, uh and I had met wow. I had met John Wayne and I was like I was Did he this. disappoint was it never meet your heroes? Was did no. he live up to it? John Wayne was the, was the man. He was the did man. Did he have a, a cowboy hat on? Uh going into the roast, no, he didn't have one. <laughs> but what I did was, man, I said, you know, Mr. Wayne, I, you know, boy, I'm in such an honor. I, yeah. I want to make a, a Western. It's my dream one day. And he just said, don't dream about it, kid. Just go do ahead and do it. it. Ooh. And then, you know, 30 years later, when I made Hatfields and McCoys, I told that story to Costner. It was oh, like, it only took me 30 years. You made your Western. But I made my Western. Oh, my God. And yeah, that should be on your on your tombstone. Don't I, dream I, about it, kid. Just do it. Just do it. That's it's so true. great. I love that. Well, yeah, I, I that became my nickname. I was the kid. Yeah. When when I was doing the roasts for Dean Martin, uh, I've told this story before, but it was true. So I was Dean's head page uh, because oh I'd been working God. for Bob Hope, and Bob had given me a, a a good vibe for this hustle story I'd done, where I brought in this audience. It was I know I'm just rambling, but no, this is there's so, so much. I'm down. It's I'm, I'm going back, and then I'll tie yeah, it all up. I know you're busy, fuck, yeah. but no, I'm not busy. I'm. It's Thanksgiving weekend, and there is no audience. And Bob Hope would do the big specials. So he said, we need to have, uh, I want to do the big monologue. When I get to the when I get to the uh, studio, there's nobody there. And I'm low man totem pole. I mean, I had just started. I was the youngest page. That was the one string my dad had pulled was he got me in at NBC. So Mr. Hope is going off. His producer, Ani Morrow, is going off. How could we do this? And my boss, who seemed ancient at the time, was like 26, 27. Right. I'm, I'm like 17, 18. And I was like, it's well, it's not our fault. And you have to understand, Mr. Hope, uh, just call this. And we, it's a holiday weekend. And he was giving all the reasons why there's no audience. All legitimate. I didn't know. I said, hey, listen, I'll get us an audience. They said, okay, go. So I go off. They think I'm just going to go outside with a sign waving, you know, tickets. I get in the car. I had this old broken down Maverick with the roll up window. Yeah. You know, I got to roll it because I got the ball tires. I love it. And I'm, and I'm clunking down and I start pulling into um, the gas stations. Meet Bob Hope. I go to the supermarkets, get on the phone. Hey, meet Bob Hope. Meet Bob Hope. I'm going down. I j- jump up to Universal. Meet Bob Hope. Come meet Bob Hope. They all believed you? They, they, well, I had the tickets. <laughs> oh, okay. I had the tickets. Right. So I get back and there's mayhem. There's probably like 600 people for 200 seats. And you've gotten them all there. And basically. I've created this mayhem. I don't know I created mayhem because I'm out hustling the tickets. I love it. And there's me and my boss and one of the guy because they didn't order enough people. There were no, there were no uh, expectations. So now my boss is yelling and screaming. There's no security. We can't accommodate this. And Miss Morrow is talking to uh, my boss, and I think I'm fired. I am just so fired. <laughs> I created this. It's people yelling. It's all these weirdos. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking, oh, my dad's going to kick my ass. Right. And I, I just blew it. So, long story short, this was you. And I go, yes, ma'am. I apologize. Right. She said, how did you do this? I said, I just went out and hustled. She says, Mr. Hope wants to see you. Oh, I'm my like, God. so I walk in, and he goes, uh, kid, y- yes, sir. Hell of a job. I want you to be my head page. And I went from the 
from I, it took like a year to get there. I went, and in the hierarchy, it was Bob Hope, Dean Martin, Johnny Carson. Oh my so I went God. from being like the kid in the parking lot right. to running the set so the, for Bob and Hope. And the page, did we just lose power? Yeah, we did a little mood lighting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We we're lost st- the lights, so the mood lighting jumped in. But the page, so that was considered an assistant basically back in the well, day. Well, no, page in NBC was a prestige job, but it was a, you manned the phones. Okay. You seated the audience, wow. and you you were like the runner for the studio to to facilitate any of the talent. It was a different world. You had to wear a suit and tie, right. a formal. You wear white gloves, and you, you were had, eighteen. Yeah, Jesus. and you had to have. I mean, it was formal. You had to have your shoes polished. You had you had uniform inspection. If you weren't up, if your clothes were wrinkled or rumpled, boom, you're written up. I mean, you had the three rules. When the headphone rang, you answer it. Yeah. The second, if it rings the second time, you explain why you didn't answer it for the, for the first one. And if it rings three times, you're off. You're out. What was the quirkiest thing about Bob Hope that nobody knows? Uh, the quirkiest thing about Bob Hope was that, the, for me, he was just who he was. He wasn't no two different guys. No. There was no, yeah. so it wasn't, I didn't know him well enough because, you know, I'm just a young kid. <laughs> right. The coolest cat of all of them yeah. was Dean Martin. Yeah. Dean, my, my one great story with Dean was I'm working late one night. I'm off the clock because, you know, they won't punch you out fast. Right. <laughs> but my own spree decorum from my dad and my own sense of work, I wouldn't leave until Mr. Martin left. I'm yeah. assigned to Mr. Martin. Yeah. So it's late one night and he tells, he tells uh, me, you know, hey, Pally, you can go on home. Yeah. And I go, oh, Mr. Martin, I'll wait for you, sir. He said, no, no, I'm going to be here a little bit. I said, no, I'll let me grab your clubs. Let me take them out to the car, whatever you need. He says, Pally, you're making me feel like my dad. Just call me Dino. <laughs> I go, Are you Mr. kidding? I go, Mr. Martin, I, Dino. I, I can't call you that, sir. And Again, I'm of that generation. Even when I'm yeah. directing on a set now, still a lot of times I refer to my cast as sir uh, or... You were and, trained well. You were trained well. Yeah, it's just a different world. So, Did you meet Jerry Lewis through him? Oh, yeah. Yeah, cause I well, just no, watched no, it. No, no, they weren't friends. Oh. I met Jerry Lewis. Remember, they hated each other. Oh, I thought, and before they became partners? No, no, Jerry... Well, that was in the 50s. Oh. Jerry Lewis, Martin and Lewis were the 50s. Okay. They were the biggest comedy team right, to ever turn right. over. This is 70s. Oh, so you're, oh, they ended up hating each other? Hate each because other. Because Lewis, even in old age, like would cry thinking about, he says, I miss him every single day. Did he well, drive him away because he was such an asshole? There was a big <laughs> feud and it became the most famous feud breakup yeah. in Hollywood. They didn't speak for 30 years. Wow. And then... When Jerry was doing the telethon, yeah. Sinatra, as a surprise, showed up and he brought Dean on the telethon. And oh, that was, that was the reconciliation. And uh, as much as it could be. Right. Ironically, Jesus. I have the last, I have the very last interview ever shot. I shot with Jerry Lewis about a month before he died. Was that Talk, the famous one that went viral? No, it hasn't, or, gone, it hasn't gone out. Oh. Because I was doing a, oh my God. I, I was working on a special for, uh, on the Rat Pack, ah. and then it was with AMC, and then they decided not to go down that road. But I already shot Jerry Lewis's interview, so I have this great interview with Jerry oh, Lewis wow. that I want to use one day. Yeah, yeah. See, amazing. we just keep going on all these. Different I know. Side now sojourns. I'm like, where do we even? So you I, wanted to hear? I, I, I'm going to get you back. Your audience is going to have a headache. They're like, this they is too, they're like, where's the book? How do we follow with the book? No. There's got to be a book, right? Like, I just think I this like, guy. Well, you got to get this all down. That's not. It's yeah. just, I tell the stories. It's so good. So, so Texas, America needed a hero. This is All right, so we're back war. to, we're yeah, going yeah. back to. I want to, to finish that story. We're jumping up. Yeah. So America <laughs> needed a hero. And I come up with this idea, Chuck Norris. He's it. Yeah. Seagal, Bruce Willis, yeah. Arnold. They were like killing it in the movies right. now. And Chuck was really on the downside. So I figured if we could grab Chuck TV, it'll be fantastic. So I go out and I, I go to Canon Pictures and I convince them we got to get to Chuck. And I come up with these two ideas. One is basically Walker, have have plane will travel. It's he's <laughs> this bounty guy before the equalizer. Yeah. He's this guy that if you call him at this number, he has a plane, he'll get in this plane and he'll fly anywhere and he'll kick ass and help you. Yeah. Then Sagansky said, you know, but, I'll, you know, he did this great Texas Ranger. I think he'd be a Texas Ranger. I said, love it, too. All right, let's do it. So we developed two scripts. And who's Sagansky? Uh, Jeff Sagansky was the president of CBS. Oh, uh, okay. 
And we turn around and I said, all right. Well, so Chuck said, but I like the name Walker. So we'll make Walker and the Texas Ranger. <laughs> Once I get the word out, everybody's coming after Chuck. And you didn't um, even have a script or anything yet? No, I had nothing. Just what? an Just idea. idea. It's all hustle. But now I'm gonna get I'm gonna get squished like a mosquito because Aaron Spelling came after <laughs> him, Stephen Cannell, Botchko. Right. It's like But did you have him signed to anything? No. All right. So you just So hoping. what do I do? I pull out the big gun. I call my man Al Ruddy. Love it. And I say, Ruddy, this is what we're gonna do. Yeah. And he's like, Hey baby, whatever you want, let's say no problem. <laughs> so I go, I go, I pick up the phone, I say, Chuck, I go, Chuck. Listen, I know everyone's coming after you, I understand, but I've just delivered the producer of The Godfather. Hello. Boom. Done. Done. Sealed. And it was like, and then Ruddy went in and it was, we're done. So like now, so Al came in, protected me. And then we went off and running and we turned around to do uh, the show. Now I'm on the front lines and Jeff wants to shoot everything in Los Angeles. Yeah. And I'm like, you can't shoot Texas Ranger <laughs> right. in L.A. And he's like, you don't understand. We shoot Dallas in L.A. Right. We shoot NYPD. Blue is shot in L.A. Right. Everything is shot in L.A. And you go away. I said, not the same. And Jeff, to his credit, says, all right, I'll give you a week and a half to go to Texas and see if you can pull it off. So I go to every city. I fly to Fort Worth, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. You El Paso on? to see what we can do. Yeah. And the mayor of Dallas at the time, he he brings me in the office and he said, I understand you wanna you wanna do a television show. And I said, Yeah, I said, Yes, this is why it'd be fantastic. Yeah. And he pushes the all these the intercom buttons. We had to push a button. So he pushed the intercom all. And in come walking uh the police chief, the fire chief like the head of oh, wow. uh, uh, transportation or, you know, all yeah. the different city officials. And he goes, uh, Pitch us. He, no, he went the other way. Oh. He said, this here young boy here, oh, we're here he for wants you. to do it. He says, I want him to bring this show I to Dallas. It. And I want all of you to help him and do whatever he wants. Oh my God. And I said, and he turns to me, he says, you, you do anything you want here. Now don't break the law too much. <laughs> we're going to help you. And so you're a You're done. Gave me carte blanche. Well, what they did was things that we couldn't afford. They, you know, they're going to blow up a building. Right. The department would come in and say, "We're blowing this building up," and uh, and then like three weeks, and we go, hey, "Right, okay, we're blowing yeah. up a building." <laughs> Boom. So we wouldn't have to pay for it. They blow up the building. Did you have to move to Texas? Well, for a period of time. Well, what happened? Here's the last. I'll, I'll go okay. through this. Okay. So we do the first three episodes. Yeah. And there's a big problem with the finances with Canon. Okay. And this is really a bad, 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 bad story. Yikes. And I won't get into the details. CBS gets upset. They shut the show down. And I never got paid. I'm $60,000 in debt. My wife is six months pregnant. I am beyond broke. Oh, my God. I am ruined. Oh, I am. Shit. I am. It's over. And I'm like, what? They didn't, they didn't pay and they didn't do this. And then say, we're burning, this, we're burning the show off. And I was like. And how many had they ordered? They had ordered a full season. We had a pay or play order for 13. Pay and play means they couldn't get out of it unless they were in default. So Cannon was in default. Oh, shit. So I lost everything. (gasps) And I'm like, I'm ruined at this point. I don't know. (laughs) This is worse than the Sherman Oaks apartment. Oh, this is worse. This is like, (laughs) I'm back to, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to fast food. I got to be working at night. It's McDonald's for you. And and we're living in this little apartment that we moved up from the Dickens, but now I'm in this little (laughs) two bedroom bar and one bathroom. And oh it's like, it's really bad. Really so bad. I'm lost, but they, we finished the shows cause they're going to air them. And the shows are a monster hit, monster hit. So you finished all 13? Three. Uh-oh, so, oh, so you just pilot. aired, and they aired three. They aired, they aired one two hour movie and one episode afterwards. Oh, and they took off. So now we're in the, we're, I'm like, okay, we're back. It's fantastic. Wow. But they had just changed the law from FinCEN to now the networks could own the programming, which they couldn't do before. So, of course, I got all the networks. I got everybody bidding. CBS comes in and says, ah, not so fast. Yeah. We're going to own this thing or we're not going to pick it up. Wow. So, all right, but I'm locked to the show. I'm right, set. Right, right. 
So, but did you have ownership in the show? I had a big oh, piece okay. of the show. Oh, nice. And so then CBS comes back, but now they want to beat you down right. because, right. well, you know, you guys were in default, even though it wasn't me. I'm, right. And we're going to renegotiate. And I'm set, well, I want this and I want that and I'm going to do this. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna, and we're going to go down to Dallas and we're going to make the show. Yeah. So Al comes in and slams the door on me. And he says to me, well, what are you doing? I said, no, yeah, we got the show. I'm going to go down to Dallas. He says, you know, are you a, you know, are you a freaking asshole? Are you the stupidest human being I've, I've, have, what are you doing? I said, well, I want to do the show. He said, you don't want to do this show. I said, what? Well, it's my baby. It's right. like, he said, look, Collect you want to go and live fucking <laughs> right. 10 years in Texas in oblivion, or you want to take a check, make your money, Make so you take a little less, yeah. but now you have a you career. To, right. He said, You are the biggest and he just cut he just Smart. I would basically know, I know why he's your mentor now. Yeah, he smacks the shit yeah. out of me. I'm like, all right, I I sure right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Wow. Bam. So we go out and you got the EP credit forever. EP forever, created by Do you still get money on it? Oh yeah, we did very oh well my with the show. God. And that's amazing. He was right. Because then right after that, then from there, I went off and then I uh, went off and produced a feature with Alec Baldwin with him, and then I directed my movie with Keys of Tulsa with Spader and Cameron Diaz and yeah, Eric Schultz, and how did, all that. How all did that you happened. A movie director, like how did? The- <laughs> well, it just it, well, it just all kind of spiraled out into so into cool. other things. And were you writing the stuff, or people were handing you scripts, and you just well, said, both. "I want to do this." When you're when you when you when you come up like I do, it's yeah, like you you're right. You, you, you find it, you pick it up, you rewrite it. You but do when you were takes. that kid, you know, with in Encino with everybody coming in, what in your mind did you think you were going to go into the movie business, the music business? Like, what was your? Or you just wanted to be in Hollywood. No, I, 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 I loved the music for fun, but I didn't really feel I had any talent. <laughs> so I wanted to be in movies and television. So yeah. then I started off and I was doing, when I was a page, then yeah. I became, I did the stand-up comedy warm-up for Chico oh, and the did? Man and Co- Welcome that. Back Cotter. Yeah. And then they put me in Welcome Back Cotter and I was, I'm one of the original sweat hawks. Stop it. Yeah, so I'm in the- Oh my God, so that's I'm, amazing. I know. You're like Zelig. I don't know right? about that. People call you that? But it was, it was funny because I, I hadn't seen Travolta years and yeah. my daughter was a huge Grease fan. Yeah, well, who wasn't? So- I tell her, hey, you know, John's going to be down the street. I haven't seen him. You want to go meet him? Yeah. So I go take her. She's like, oh, yeah. I time. had such a crush on her. So she goes to meet him, but he's grown up now. So <laughs> she's got her little grease photo and she can't connect <laughs> the two people. Yeah, he didn't, yeah. he didn't age and, that well. But he didn't care. He was like, Leslie, how are he, you? He's, he, a, he's, he's a sweetheart. Guy. Yeah, I've heard all of hugs, pictures. I've and heard it was, the nicest things about him. And whenever I see him, he, he can't be warmer. He's like, we both started out. I yeah. was going to be the original Vinnie Barbarino. Yeah. Because Wait, what? It was what? Yeah. Well, the original part was written to be a guy who was a little bit more of a hustler, huckster kind oh, right. of, you know, New York street kid. He kind of was though. No, like, Vinny Mr. was dumb. Mr. He was, oh, Mr. more of a meathead. He was the handsome, right? Not kind of, slick. Right. He wasn't yeah. slick. So. Oh God, I loved him Jimmy, so much. Jimmy but did you get him. into the Scientology stuff too? <laughs> no, I got invited. <laughs> I bet I you did. I got invited to Dianetics. Yeah. But then I went with John, my boy that went to the Saturday Night Fever premiere with him and Carly Simon. Are you kidding? At Tavern what? on the Green. Oh yeah, that was a crazy God, party. I'm dying. Party. This is like my childhood. This, I know. I think that was my I'm first. I'm feeling R- old. That was my first, well, I'm old too, but that was my first R-rated movie. Like oh. I, oh my God. And the company I was with back when we did a two hour inside story for bio on Saturday Night Fever. So we went deep on that. Like well, that's what, amazing What's funny, stories. down the hall, Fern Champion. Oh. Who did my Texas Rising and yeah. Hatfields? She cast Saturday Night Fever. She's down the what? hall. What? That's incredible. Yeah, I know. Okay, so let's fast forward a little bit. So after I know I could okay. we could sit here all day. Forget lunch know, with Ruddy's not happening. Tell, tell Ruddy he's got to reschedule. No. So so once you once Gene Simmons hit, I'm imagining you know you're starting to get there's a lot of heat on you. You're starting to get like calls from all the networks. We want our Gene Simmons. You know our family jewels. Whatever. Was that like, okay, I'm going to pivot now into more unscripted stuff? Like, what happened yes. from there? Well, as I was saying, I always tried to find a way to move into a world. So Walker came in when I felt they didn't have that. Yeah. When Gene jumped in, it was such a success. And scripted was going down. They're bringing more news programming. We 
I then focused in and we built a fabulous company with Think Factory. Adam Reed yeah. really kind of blossomed. Yeah. And Joanne Rubino, who's my head of production. Yeah. We we grew yeah. together and we have this brilliant guy, Adam Freeman. Yeah, a lot of Adams I saw. Yeah, that. a lot of Adams. They call me Adams here. But Freeman is like the creative director that has the real vision how to make the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just became, the four of us became a wonderful magic combination. Yeah, like a family. And we did, then we went off and did Snoop and Eddie Griffin and, I mean, um, Marriage Boot Camp were in our 10th yeah, season on. Incredible. So it all did really well. But then I'm smelling, man, there's time for some real interesting, serious scripted. Yeah. And, and did you know history was looking? Well, I had been working and working and working them. So now one night I'm having dinner with Nancy. And yeah. we, you know, we're now at family at this point. Yeah. And just for the and uninformed Nancy, Nancy Dubuque, Dubuque who, right. not anymore, but ran any for years and years and is very well. And she's respected. now just became the promoted at the history. And right. this is like, she, okay. this You're was like, her perfect. big break. <laughs> and I'm working her yeah. and I'm telling her the story that years before I had opened the tombs of the golden mummies in Egypt live on Fox, where we discovered thousand golden mummies 50 miles from Libya. And I'm telling her these stories about how we're out in the Sahara desert and the Bedouins are coming and they got guns in my stomach and they're robbing us. (laughs) The sandstorms are blowing up the sets. You got to make that movie. Blowing up the sets. And I've got Hugh Downs down there and (laughs) Bill Pullman who had just done Independence Day. Yeah. Oh my God. So, I tell her all these crazy stories. She says, oh, that could be a TV series. Right. I said, Nancy, I'm not going back to Egypt. I'm done. We're not. No, we should. You and Zahi, yeah. you go down there. And I go, I'm not going back to Egypt. And she says, I'll make the Hatfields and McCoys if you go down to Egypt. I go, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to go you down bitch. to Egypt. <laughs> really? So, of course, the producer I am, I had been for 30 years trying to get Hatfields made. Wow. I had Burt Lancaster and what? Kirk Douglas and Tom Selleck and what? Don Johnson and Burt Reynolds. Everybody. I, everyone. Finally, Kevin Costner was meant to be. Amazing. So I, that's another story I won't bore everyone with going down <laughs> to Egypt, but we end up going and I'm thinking Hatfields, it's a story that should work and it should work, which I was convinced it would work, but I had been turned down for my whole career. Because everyone would say to me, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? Mm-hmm. I don't understand, Leslie. Who's the who, We're not rooting for anybody. Yeah. You know, they're both good. They're both bad. And I said, that's the truth. That's the, that distills the essence of its brilliance is that we're human and that we get into a feud that we, there is never right. We do good things for yeah. bad reasons, bad things for good reasons. And, and I said, it's that ambiguity and complexity that will resonate. A hundred percent. And the it, golden age of television is built on that complexity. I mean, Jesus, Breaking Bad, The Sopranos. I mean, those are complex madmen. All of those protagonists are not good or bad. They're all shades of everything. Correct. But it started with Hatfields. That's amazing. So for me. Amazing. And what year was that? I forget. Uh, Hatfields, probably yeah, about. Ten years ago? Yeah, about. Yeah. About probably eight, nine years. And that years. was huge. That was history's first scripted show, right? It was their first scripted show. And, and, and to my hit. knowledge, to this day, it's the highest rated show ever wow. in the history of basic cable television. Really? Holy shit. We cubed up to over 100 More than Walking million. Dead? Uh, I always thought that e- was the one. E- uh, mm-hmm. I... Our three nights and our first week and Walking Dead came after us. Wow. But Walking Dead had a one big, their big premiere. Yeah. At the, uh, I don't want to. No, they did. It, Walking Dead maybe could have, their last, their last season premiere. Okay. They, do you, you watch know, it? I don't watch it. I do. Well, my friend yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in that. Oh, I love so him. So Michael Rooker was in my first movie. Oh my so it's kind of like a fun. I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan. He seems like so down to earth. He's the greatest. Yeah. He was in Texas Rising for me. Yeah. So. Right. Oh my gosh. But. So, so in terms of the script of it all, because there are very few companies, you know, I, I, my podcast is mostly unscripted and there's very few companies and people that bridge both. And I'm always interested in it because I love scripted and I'm doing some scripted projects too. And, you know, I always have the philosophy, if you're a great producer, you should be able to do anything, right? Film, TV, scripted, unscripted. It's the same muscle, just different execution. It's the ability to tell a story. Exactly. Do you like one better than the other? I think... Because I grew up with the scripted world, yeah. that's where I gravitate. Yeah. I love to be able to tell a story that can be shaded and layered. Yeah. In unscripted, you need to find your story, distill it, and then 
capture that in the moment. Absolutely. Well, in, then craft it later too, if you don't have it when right, you're, when you're right. getting it. But you're shooting something that exists. Right. In the unscripted world, for me, what I love is I love going back in time, creating costumes and period. Yeah, in and, the scripted world. You in mean? the scripted world. Yeah, totally. We're, we're getting, I'm developing another big one. We're close to going, uh, it's a big pirate movie. It's a true story based on the book that I optioned called Thomas Jefferson and the Tripoli Pirates about America's first war on the war in the Barbary Coast. And so just all the research and thinking uh, of what it takes to to put it together. Yeah. I mean, are you going to direct that one? No, no, I'm producing these now. Okay, so you're not direct because I know you did direct. I do. I do some directing and I helped on Texas Rising. I shot about I directed. I was honored to work with Roland Jaffe. We yeah, shot wow, that's huge. 167 days on that. Wow. And I shot 67, basically first unit, second unit, all the battle sequences. I had so much fun. So for you, I mean, just in sort of more looking at the, the 13,000 view, you know, from, from up high at your career and who you are, it seems like you are fueled by just loving it. Like, because you don't need, you know, you've had incredible I'm success. I'm you don't, lucky. well, you've worked for it too. I think when luck meets opportunity, you have to know how to seize on it. Right. So you're, you're lucky you were born into some opportunity, but you made it happen. So, so for you, you're doing it cause you love it and it gets you up in the morning. Clearly. Well, that, you, you, you just described me, my, right. you know, people talk to me, you know, you I work hard and my feeling is, and, and I mean this, and I, I know it sounds flip, but it's true. I have never worked a day in my life. That's how I feel. I put in yeah. long hours yeah. and I've gone through crazy adventures, right. <laughs> but I've never worked yeah. because every day is a joy. I grew up looking forward to Mondays and I still do. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough. Uh, some people chase money and I, but I came up because of dad and all the people I knew chase your heart, follow your heart. The money, money will, will follow. Come. And they're both, they're both good ways to go. It's just what makes you, what makes, you know, you feel fulfilled and, and me chasing the money. If you didn't make it work, you end up with a lot of emptiness because very hard. My feeling is chasing the dreams. I have as many fun stories that some people laugh now about my disasters, about my, (laughs) you know, ending up in jails and crazy people and traveling the world where, they didn't work out with good with good endings, yeah. but great story. Yeah, great it's adventure, made you who you are. Great life experience. If and looking at everything in your career and professionally now, not personally, do you have one accomplishment that stands out as your proudest? It's a twofold answer. Okay. The thing I'm I am most proud of, and I say with 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 due deference and humility, to most people produce, we've produced I know hundreds of thousands of hours of programming, but the fact that I was able to create not one, but three iconic shows between Gene Simmons in one genre Hatfields, which launched the entire area of this new scripted generation of all these short forms limited that birthed that Gene Simmons birthed a new art farm in the couch interviews and then bringing Walker, which is a timeless show. It, that's an accomplishment, like to have a trifecta. Incredible. So I'm very proud of that. Personally, um, Texas Rising was probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Yeah. To do something with the scope and really a great life fulfilled experience. But for me, if you ask me, it's the next one. I was going to ask, is it's it still ahead of you? One. Is it still and ahead of you? I have, we have two or three things that won't let me talk about that Jesus. are about to go, but it's always the next. Yeah. And, and Al Ruddy and I, Al's 87, he's down the hall. We're going to announce a big one Jesus. because it's what keeps you going. Yeah. It, it's what, it's what makes you feel alive. And if you don't, there's no guarantee in life that you're going to get to where you want to go. But, if you pursue your dream at the end of your life, you'll sit back and you'll say, did I get there? Well, if you got there, but didn't have a great journey, what was it? A hundred percent. If you don't get there and didn't have a great journey, it's like, I just wasted it. But if at the end, whether you got there, you didn't, but you had the journey, you had a full life. And for me, that's what, if I could ever inspire or have anyone aspire to, it's, 
Be robust in your dream. So many people today spend their life on their phones, their iPhones, looking and talking, what's next? What are we doing? What's tomorrow? And they're never in the moment. Be in the moment, put everything else aside, and enjoy the roller coaster ride. I love that. That's such an incredible advice, because especially because a lot of young sort of up-and-coming pe- kids hear this. That's Just listen to that. So you don't strike me as someone who sweats the small stuff. No. Right? You sleep you easy at night. Yeah, I sleep well. <laughs> I don't sweat the small stuff. Do you regret anything? We always, yeah, I've got the regrets <laughs> of what I didn't do. Okay. And, the, and the regrets that so I what did, you did do, I don't regret them because they made me bigger, stronger, healthier, and like, and like, whew, I'm lucky to still be here. Yeah. And what about like, you know, you're still technically like one of the pioneers in our business. When you look at where we are now in 2018, like what are your projections? What do you, what do you think we are as an industry? Do you get, you know, frustrated by sort of some of the network's nonsense that a lot of producers do or like, are you just looking in scripted and movies as kind of like your savior? Well, I'm looking at not your savior, but you know what I mean? My salvation for me, my salvation. Well, (laughs) you know, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting and it's astute kind of observation. The biggest shift that I've seen, which is frustrating, but it's the way of the world. I haven't found a lot of the young executives that have the discipline and know the history of their craft and of our business. You know, people talk to me about, well, you know, I wasn't born that well, I wasn't born in the thirties, <laughs> but I knew about what that was. Yeah. And consequently, I find everyone works by committee and that they're very uh, few. And yes. most of my senior level friends at networks and studios say their biggest challenge is that no one wants to come in and stand out. They're all too scared. When you stand out, you stand alone. Uh, 100%. And, you, and you put a spotlight on you. But everyone hides behind a committee. Everyone wants the we. And I think that stymies uh, the creative process. And when you look at the shows that are breaking through on digital, when you think of some of the most interesting program, when you go back, some are the older producers because these are people who have a vision, a point of view. When you get caught up into this committee, when you get caught up into this formulaic process, I feel it's not as nourishing. Uh, uh, and, and nobody's going to take chances. You can't fail or succeed unless you take chances. Correct. Right. And you have to be able to do both. And it, I completely agree with you. And experience does matter, actually. Listen, one of my, <laughs> one of my biggest failures in terms of a hit show yeah. is one of my proudest achievements. I did a show called Teach. We spent a year with Tony Danza oh, in that a was school. You? And yeah. it, I, we, we missed because I think we were programmed wrong, timed wrong. But if you ask me, You're proud of it. I'm, I am enormously proud of that show. Yeah. I'm a proud what we did for the kids. Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of Tony Danza. Yeah. And, but again, it wasn't, That's I don't That's a great at, example actually, right? Because not every show, you know, and some of the ones, some of my best shows are the ones I never sold, right? Like the ones I right. still believe until this day and would change the world if only someone would buy it. That's right. And you know, some of the ones that go on to be hits, you're like, it's silly, but I'm glad someone's watching it. So I totally get it. And I think, you know, you're such an inspiration and well, I'm, it's exciting to be able to spend some time with you. Well, I'll leave you a little fun. You mentioned Jack Nicholson. Yes. You're sitting below the picture of Jack Nicholson and me right there. Oh my God. Okay. So I'm looking at Jack Nicholson, Stallone, Stallone, Michael Douglas, Danny DeVito, DeVito, Rhea Perlman. Right. You've got James Coburn in the back, Shep Gordon, Anthony Quinn. Mark Kent was the president of the studio, Ron Meyer, who is the head of Universal and the, and the gentleman with the Mario Casar from Corelco. And then right there, the gentleman with the big mustache, he uh, is the late Roger Verger, who was considered the greatest chef in the world. He invented Nouvelle Cuisine. Wait, what restaurant was this? The Moulin de Moujon in South of France. And oh, my God. Outside of Cannes. Jack looks wasted. <laughs> <laughs> He's fun. He is really having he a good is the time. Most, I've, he wouldn't remember me, but I spent a lot of fun evenings with him. That's amazing. What year was this? This oh, is a this is back in the ago. day. This is back. Like 40, I think it was Tom Pollock. Easily like 40, years ago, right? I don't know, not that long. 30 but years. Yeah, I mean, probably 30. Yeah, probably late 80s. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you've had quite the storied life and continue to just churn out incredible things. So, Well, thank you for, for interviewing me. And I, 
I don't know if I was too kind of all over the place. No, but it was. I'm. I'm. I'm just amazed. I feel like we, I could go on for three more hours. I, I want to end yeah. like that. Yeah. Every. I want to end with the story that we never finished. Oh, good. So I, I don't even remember which one I know, was it. But I, it's just my. It's my personality because I tell the story often and I love it because okay. it shows how great oh, he is. Good. We're with Dean Martin Dean. and he's saying me, oh, Pally, yeah. Pal. don't call Dino. me, call me Dino. Yeah. And I sit there and I say. I can't do that, sir. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Well, you know, then maybe I'll have to bring someone else in because I don't want to make, I don't want to be felt like, you know, I'm like this old guy and my dad and this, Mr. Martin, sir, please. I really enjoy working for you. So his friend comes in, he's walking in and he says, leave the kid alone. He says, Dean, he can't call you Dean. He can't call you Dino. <laughs> you have to, you're making him a nervous wreck. Right, you know, he works for you. He can call me, you know, me and call by his first name, Jimmy. And I'm like, um, and it's okay. Cause he doesn't work for me. Yeah. I turn around, I look and I go, Mr. Stewart, I can't call you Stop Jimmy. And, <laughs> and these two guys end up just breaking my balls. Okay. And then I end up walking out with Jimmy Stewart. What? To the, to, to, I take it. Well, sir, I'll take your bag. And I carry Jimmy Stewart's bag out to the parking lot. And we spent 45 minutes talking. And this is back in the early 70s. But he says to me, when I'm going back to knowing your history. Yeah. He said, that movie, I made that in 1938. You made that in 35 minutes. How do you know about this stuff? And I knew it. And because I knew it. You were a student. And I was a student yeah. and a fan enthusiast. Yeah. Mr. Stewart gave me 45 minutes and I had the greatest what? time. Just to, It was like one o'clock in the morning on a summer night in a parking lot. And it was me and Jimmy Stewart. And that's what inspired me in life to be able to say, you know what? There's so much to be lived, so much to do. And as John Wayne said, don't think about it, just do it. And that's the philosophy I've I've had my whole life. That's amazing. Perfect way to end, and Leslie. I'll introduce you to already. I can't wait. This is incredible. <laughs> Thank you so You're much. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs>